Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Billy Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go Billy Up. So we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic podcast, after a shaky decade in the 1980s, the NFL began to truly rise to prominence in the 1990s. Meanwhile, other sports, although great, didn't always come to work. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr., All right, here we go. Here we go. Squeaky chair. Yeah, it's not squeaking as much today. Good. Got the papers. We're ready to go. NFL historians, this isn't for you. This is for those who don't know as much, just as a reminder. So we are here to enlighten. But please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm always here to learn. It is the Behind the Mic podcast. I'm your host, Michael Neal Jr., presented by Belly Up Sports, the Belly Up Sports podcast network. Go to bellyupsports.com. You can enjoy this show as well as others and writers of the Belly Up Sports family. You can catch this show as well as others on Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all of those great things. So we're going right to it, doing a little bit of a remix today. We're going to put those references on the end, just like those term papers that you used to write. We're going to go right to it. The recap from last week on last week's episode called The Struggle Bus, and it should have been called More Money, More Problems. It was highlighted by the fact that at the beginning of the 1980s, Commissioner Pete Rozelle proclaimed that the 80s would be the NFL's greatest decade. Of course it wasn't. The league struck twice in 1982 and 87, the second being the ugliest because replacement players were used and the NFL players showed their hinder parts to the world in the worst way in rebellion against it. Yes, they used replacement players. The owners looked bad because they were being cheap. And then there was the USFL that came to threaten the NFL, but flamed out in three years. And did I mention the rift between Roselle and Raiders owner Al Davis? Davis winning the lawsuit to move his team from Oakland to the Los Angeles 
how that move helped to pave the way for the NFL and other teams helping to expand the league. And just a reminder, Pete Rozelle did leave the league better. Game attendance had risen. And the fact that in 1982, just before the season began, before that strike, they had signed major TV deals with ABC, NBC, and CBS, basically cornering the market for professional football on television in the fall. And that's why the NFL, the, excuse me, the USFL was so heated. We can't even get in when they decided to move their stuff from their season from the spring to the fall and they couldn't get on television. Ah, they won, but of course they were awarded a grand total of $3.76. Could have gave them that money out of my own pocket. But Roselle, he just would not be there actually to see the league move into the new heights. So, you'll have to excuse me while I go to church for a second. If you are not familiar with the story of Israel being delivered from Egypt, here's a quick synopsis, okay? Has anybody seen the Ten Commandments? Charlton Heston, Yul Brenner, yeah? Ann Baxter? No? Yes? Yeah? Or how about something more current, like I think it was in the 90s, early 2000s, I think. The Prince of Egypt, y'all remember that one at all? Anybody? That story, that's the one I'm talking about. If you don't go to church, okay? Israel was promised. This is the basic story. Israel was promised land by the Lord. And by the time of Moses, they will be heading towards it after the events of the Red Sea. If you don't know what happened at the Red Sea, uh, God opened up the sea for them to walk across and the Egyptians were killed when they tried to chase after them because they were slaves. They had spent 430 years in captivity. So they were going back to the land that God promised them. So... Moses had led Israel all of that time. And because he disobeyed God, he was able to view the promised land, but not permitted to go into it. Read Exodus if you don't, you really want to know all the details. Now, there were some spies that were sent out before all of that stuff happened with Moses disobeying God. Twelve of them to be exact. They were sent to scout out the land. And of course, all those 400 years they had been gone, other people had moved in on their territory. Basically, only two guys came back with a good report saying, we can take it. We got faith, we can take it, right? Those guys were named Joshua and Caleb. Joshua ended up becoming Moses' successor and actually took the children of Israel into the promised land. Commissioner Pete Rozelle spent 30 years bringing the NFL to this point of popularity by the end of the 1980s and had declared at the Super Bowl at Super Bowl 14 in 1980, to be exact, that the 80s would be the NFL's greatest decade, just like I said in the open, right? I should have called last week's episode More Money, More Problems. It was Even though the NFL signed those TV deals, TV deals, excuse me, that pretty much put them over the top at the time, Roselle had all of those issues throughout the 80s and had to deal with that stuff to the point where he ended up having to resign and step down. Roselle got to see the promised land and he said, yes, this will be the greatest decade, but he was not able to actually enjoy it. Paul Tagliabue, like Joshua, would actually take the NFL into that promised land. You want to know who Paul Tagliabue is? Here's a little bit. In March of 1989, NFL Commissioner Pete Roselle steps, steps down after 30 years and October 26th of that same year, Covington and Burling attorney Paul Tagliabue who represented the NFL 
was elected as its next commissioner. There are several things that this Hall of Fame commissioner would become known for. Of course, Roselle was in the Hall of Fame, I think, by that time as well. Now, this is all according to ProFootballHallOfFame.com. At the March 1990 owners' meeting, I'm quoting, Tagaboo and Broadcast Committee Chairman Art Modell announced a new four-year TV deal worth $3.6 billion, which at that time was the largest in television history. At that same meeting, Tagaboo announced the foundation, or excuse me, the formation of a committee on expansion and realignment, end quote. So, labor peace, number one thing I'm going to name that he's known for. In 93, the NFL and the NFLPA, the National Football League Players Association, signed a seven-year collective bargaining agreement. So, if I say CBA, this is what it means, that acronym, acronym is, which guaranteed more than $1 billion in pension, health, and post-career benefits for current and retired players, the most extensive benefit plan in pro sports. This is all at that time. There were new stadiums. Why did the former commissioner, Pete Rozelle, not want Al Davis and the Oakland Raiders to leave Los Angeles? He figured 12 years of being there, they were selling out the stadium. Why should you leave? Well, because he didn't want a domino effect of other teams following suit. And speaking of suits, we know that the last episode that Al Davis won his lawsuit against the NFL because the court ruled the NFL had violated antitrust laws and he was able to move his team from Oakland to Los Angeles. Again, Davis winning in this situation is credited as being the spark that led the league to becoming the billion dollar industry that it is today. How? Well, just as an example, five teams have changed cities since then, which is exactly what the former commissioner, Roselle, did not want. But it worked for the good of the league. There were plenty of new stadiums that have been built. For example, the Houston Oilers. I live here in Nashville. The Houston Oilers left because they were in need of a new stadium. The city of Nashville gave it to them. And Bud Adams uprooted his team, said, okay, bye-bye Houston. Hello, Nashville. Of course, I work right next to the Tennessee Titans facility, Federal Express, and they have been there for over 20 years. When the city of Houston finally decided to have a new stadium built for the Houston Texans, they were born out of expansion. More teams, new stadiums, more revenue. And it's ironic that since the Raiders moved back to Oakland in 1995, by the way, Eventually, that city basically refused to build them a new stadium, which is the reason why they are in Las Vegas right now, getting ready to go into their second season in Vegas. That being said, there were 20 new stadiums constructed during all of this time. Then there's the expansion. And since we're talking about 1995 and expansion, the NFL added two more teams, the Carolina Panthers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. The NFL went international in 1991, the formation of the World Football League, which is eventually was called NFL Europe. And again, the television that created a league-wide internet network and subscriber-based NFL TV network, NFL Network, and secured the largest television contracts in entertainment history, totaling some, what, $25 billion. That's a lot of lettuce. A lot of money. Tagliabue was responsible for a lot of things, and these are just some of the highlights that 
helped the NFL to rise to prominence in the 90s. But that wasn't all. Coming up next. Meanwhile, the NBA, NHL, and Major League Baseball? Huh. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so we have to give a brief look at the other sports in the 1990s. How were they doing? What was going on with Major League Baseball? What was going on with the NHL? What's going on with the NBA? Of course, we know some prominent names from these leagues. But the first thing I have to do before I go into it is address one of the articles that I've been referencing all of this time. It was an article written by Michael Shotty back in 2013 by Bleacher Report. Now, don't get me wrong, because this man makes several great points and I'm going to highlight those right now. He basically says that a vacuum was created in the 1990s for the NFL to be able to basically take over as far as sports, period, the fa America's favorite sport. It was already on its way. But the things that happened in the 90s with the other three major sports were really, really key. There was a space that was made. And they basically got into first, first place the NFL did, and they never relinquished that lead. Here's a quick review of the other major sports in the 1990s. In the NHL, back in the 90s, the Winnipeg Jets were still around, Hartford Whalers, glowing pucks, and the great players, the ones that I think of, and it was really based more so around the, around the video games as well as watching a couple of games, because I wasn't a big NHL fan, but of course, Wayne Grzeski. Yamir Yager, Joe Sackett, um, who, uh, Brett Hull, and, and Sergei Fedorov. These were the names that I was really, really used to. I didn't think so much about the goalies, but it was the guys that would do the scoring. But the problem with the NHL had, they had two work stoppages that didn't exactly help in 92 and in 94 95. Now, in the NBA, the NBA caught fire in the 80s, right? With the emergence of Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. We credit these two guys coming in from their NCAA 1979 championship, and they bring that into a rivalry with the Los Angeles Lakers and the Boston Celtics. Well, they had some of the best teams in the 80s and really put the NBA back on the map. Of course, I said last week about the games being on tape delay, that didn't help. And when they took that away and made the games live, that helps a lot. Add to that the bad boy Pistons of, of the 80s and the Chicago Bulls, the early Chicago Bulls. Well, there was an issue even in the NBA, but this happened towards the end. The NBA had a lockout from July 1998, that summer, to January of 99. And it shrunk the season down to 50 games, which that's you know perfect for me. I'd rather have you know, less games. I think I've said that before. But the Chicago Bulls, for instance, had dominated the Knights. 
and won their sixth championship in eight years. After Michael Jordan's game six winning, his game six winning bucket rather, against the Utah Jazz in the 98 finals. And of course, it was their second three-peat. Jordan had retired after the first three-peat in 93, right? And he decided to play what? Baseball in the minor leagues with the Birmingham Barons. And it's possible that Jordan would have never returned to the, the basketball court had this next event not happened. And it's called the most embarrassing moment in baseball history, the 1994 baseball strike. It didn't kill baseball, but it did leave a wound that never would heal completely with the fans. That's not even debatable. It's not debatable. Here's a quick synopsis. All right, so I've done my reading and done my research and even some of the things I remember, but here's the, 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 some of the details that I didn't really pay much attention to when I was in high school. Now, I'm not a Major League Baseball historian at all, but this is the basics. The owners basically wanted a salary cap. The players did not. The majority of owners, led by one Bud Selig, the owner of the Milwaukee Brewers back then, wanted then-Commissioner Faye Vincent to take a backseat in CBA negotiations in 94, unlike what he did in 1990, by basically putting a stop to a potential strike or a lockout that year. Vincent said, get out of here. Selig put a vote in of no confidence in Faye Vincent. They said, hey, look, I can't trust this guy. And basically, Vincent was outvoted by those owners 18 to 9 in being excluded from those talks for, in 94. Vincent, eventually, he just resigned. And of course, guess who was installed as the, basically what, the interim commissioner? Yeah, Bud Seeley. He and the owners were basically going to force the players to agree to a salary cap. The players said, get out of here. We're not doing that. A strike would ensue, and not only were the, was the rest of the regular season games canceled, but so was the entire postseason, including the World Series. That's ugly. In fairness to Major League Baseball, though, why does any league go on strike? Understand owners control everything, okay? And players, for the most part, really don't have any power. They don't have a whole lot of power. So they negotiate agreements in good faith that the players will not only be paid fairly, but they will also be taken care of after their playing days are over. Is that the basic gist of it? It should be. Because after all, the players do make the owners this money. There is no money in a sport being made by any owner. Yes, they have money before, but there's no money being made in this sport if the players are not there to, to help make it. The fans pay not to see the guy in the box. They pay to see the players on the field, period, point blank. And of course, as far as fans are concerned, they don't always see this. They don't see it. They see it as a game that they would play for free, which I think is a load of crap, personally, in my opinion because you know exactly how much they get paid and you will want the same if not more. I'm just saying that, yes, this is not an opinionated podcast by any means. It's fact-based, but that is an opinion. Several great players, though, in that 94 strike prematurely ended their careers, though, and it made no sense at all. Goose Gossage, who had played 22 years in the major leagues, he never even announced his retirement. And the crazy part is, is that the man, when he was drafted, he ended up in the league with the White Sox in 72. They had a strike then. He endured eight of them. Eight strikes. It makes no sense. Fast forward to 1988. 1998. There's that year again. 
You had the Mark McGuire and the Sammy Sosa home run chase. That kind of woke America up back to baseball. But obviously, the game was not looked at as the same. Now, as far as this article is concerned, in 1998, it was the swing year for everything. And that's one of the things that Shadi really highlights. 98 really was the swing year. That's the way that I saw that. It wasn't the entire 90s. Because the most of the 90s was spent with these other leagues being on strike and lockouts. That hurt their games. It did. That's clear. That clearly is seen. So three of the top four major sports in the United uh, of the U.S. had strikes and or lockouts, and the NFL had none, zero, nada. That's the space that was created. But I will maintain that outside of basketball, the NFL was a more watchable sport in the 1990s. I'm still calling it calling it eye candy. If you're not watching Michael Jordan in the 90s or anybody else going, soaring through the air or whatever, what are you watching? I mean, let's just be honest. If you go back and you watch some of those games, and look, I'm not a purist of any sport, not even the NFL and college football is really second with me. I'm not a purist by any means. But I do appreciate, because I grew up in the 90s and watching some basketball in the 80s, I still appreciate it, but those games are hard to go back and watch. They really are. In the 80s, at least, they were scoring in the hundreds a lot, <laughs> even though centers were the dominant players in the game. It's a guards game now. And, of course, you know in the today you turn on the TV and it's a three-point bonanza. And, guys, it's either three or to the cup. But in the 90s, the game had been slowed down. We had the hand-checking rules and things like that. The game was slowed down, so you had more games in the 80s and 90s. That wasn't exactly the best thing to be able to go back and watch. So, I mean, let's just be honest, because I've been on Major League Baseball's case, so in a sense, those games are not exactly the prettiest things. Now, the Olympics are underway in Tokyo, right? And the way that I see it is that the NHL never got out of the blocks in the 90s. Major League Baseball clipped a hurdle midway and went face first into the ground. And the NBA fell about four feet from the French line as the NFL took the gold. But look on the bright side. As far as the end, the uh, Major League Baseball is concerned, the strike was the reason for a lot of these big salaries that Major League Baseball players are enjoying today. So, Fernando Tatis Jr., Mike Trout, Garrett Cole, Trevor Bauer, tell them thank you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, home stretch for today's show. Again, it's a Tuesday. The show drops on Wednesday, 6 a.m. every Wednesday morning. It is available on all of those great podcast hosting sites, uh, iTunes and Apple and all that. 
Uh, Apple is iTunes, ain't it? <laughs> iTunes, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio. But right now, um, we're going to do something we ain't done in a while. We're, we're going to do the 90s NFL rundown as we continue. So, with everything 90s NFL, this was my wheelhouse. This is when I was actually paying attention to professional football. Yes, I watched games in the 80s. And heck, I remember that Super Bowl that Pete Rosell had proclaimed to the media during Super Bowl 14 in 1980 that the, the 80s were going to be the greatest decade. I remember seeing parts of that game as a three-year-old. I still, it, it, it baffles me that I remember that. But the 90s were my wheelhouse. That was where I really gravitated to pro football. And so with that being said, here is the 90s NFL rundown. All right, the New York Giants, they dethroned my San Francisco 49ers, that dynasty in the NFC Championship. And they went on to win Super Bowl 25 against the Buffalo Bills in Tampa. 20-19, Scott Norwood missing the potential game-winning 47-yard field goal as time expired. I still don't know if... We did watch, what was that, uh, the 30 for 30, the two, not the two Bills, but the, the Buffalo Bills 30 for 30. I'm glad the guy's doing okay. But nobody's the same after missing out on a championship. And they went over the rest of the way. They were a great team. You know, it's so hard to go to four Super Bowls in a row. You tell me another team that has gone to four Super Bowls in a row. I'll wait. Crickets. Yeah. All right, the dynasty of the 90s, by the way, was the Dallas Cowboys, led by head coach Jimmy Johnson and the triplets, Troy Eggman, Michael Irvin, Emmitt Smith. They became the first to win three Super Bowls in four years. Six different teams in the 90s did win the Super Bowl, which is pretty good for parity because the Cowboys won theirs on the front end and the rest came more so on the back end. And speaking of which, we've already addressed this with the head coaching uh, well, the head coaches, the greatest coaches of all time. Jimmy Johnson is definitely one of those and did make it into the Hall of Fame, what, last year. Um, it's great to hear Jerry Jones come clean. What was it, last week, I believe it was, a week before last, at the beginning of training camp, he came clean. Yes, it was my fault. He effed it up. He sure did. Anyway, there were record breakers and new all-time leaders and two of them jerry jones uh jerry jones jerry rice he became the all-time leading receiver and touchdown leader in the 90s dan marino the all-time leading passer attempts completions yards and he surpassed fran tarkenton for all of that don shula he became he, he had that milestone of becoming the winningest coach of all time 1995 this was actually the year of the milestone in 95 NFL teams break the 100,000-yard mark in passing, 105,976 to be exact, and the 10,000-point barrier. Nobody looks at this, by the way, but 10,314 points for the first time in league history. Now, this is key to a league being eye candy. It's no longer three yards in a cloud of dust. They're throwing the football. Why did the NFL become so prominent, and why did they last outside of the fact that they had a television deal that put them in front of people's eyeballs on their television sets. 
because they actually opened up the game. NFL records are also set for 1,000-yard receivers, as far as passing is concerned. 23, 300-yard passing games, 80. 100-yard receiving games, 185. In addition, a record 21 contests go into overtime. Eye candy. Eye candy. Don't sleep on the run, though. Barry Sanders and Terrell Davis became the third and fourth players in league history to rush for 2,000 yards. Barry Sanders ran for 2,053 in 97, and Terrell Davis ran for 2,008 in 1998. New stadiums. Now, this is reported by NFL.info. This is as far as December 20th, 1999, people. Keep that date in mind. This is from 1999, okay? I'm keeping it to the 90s. In 1992, the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. 1995, Alltel Stadium opens up in Jacksonville. In the same year, the Trans World Dome opens in St. Louis. In 1996, the year I graduated, Erickson Stadium opens up in Charlotte. Oakland Coliseum called, it was renamed Network Associates Coliseum. It was renovated and they were enlarged by 9,000 seats. And there were also renovations on the Louisiana Superdome and they were completed before Super Bowl 31, by the way. 1997, Jack Kent Cook Stadium, now called FedEx Field, opened up in Rajon, Maryland. Qualcomm Stadium, renovated. They enlarged their seating capacity to 71,000 to be exact. Look at these, these seats. They put more seats in these these teams are selling out, right? In 1998, PSI Net Stadium opens up in Baltimore. And the new 65,000 seat Raymond James Stadium opens up in Tampa Bay. New York Giants Stadium, well, Giants Stadium, New York Giants and New York Jets. They had renovations completed. In 1999, re renovations of Ralph Wilson Stadium, the Buffalo Bills are completed, as are the RCA Dome, where the Indiana Copes Indiana, oh God, I can't talk today. Slow down, Mike. The Indianapolis Colts, that was completed. The Cleveland Browns, their stadium opens, brand new. And also, last but not least, Titans fans remember this, Adelphia Coliseum opens up in Nashville, 67,000. Also, television, quote, record television agreements, the largest in entertainment history including addition of Fox to the NFL lineup and expanded NFL coverage on all networks. The NFL is the only professional sports league to televise all regular season and postseason games on free over-the-air television. Again, this is as of December 20th, 1999. The result, fan popularity. The NFL consistently ranked as America's most popular sport in every fan survey. Why was the NFL getting so much popularity? Again, football became much easier on the eyes. You see the records being set and broken. The game was faster because of the rule changes which affected the style of play, which also equaled more offense, two-point conversions, the clock no longer stopping when the player goes out of bounds outside of two minutes of the first half and five minutes of the second half. Get in the rule book. 
kickoffs, they were from the 30-yard line on a one-inch tee instead of the 35. Not to mention the elimination of spearing and such like on defense. They increased player safety. I know the defensive guys didn't like that. But the proof was in the numbers. Records were set. Set. And as we head into present day of NFL popularity, we cannot forget that it wasn't just Major League Baseball in the 20s that was America's pastime and favorite sport when the NFL was born. The other top sport in America was college football. You thought I forgot, did you? References, NFL.info, a decade to remember the NFL in the 1990s. ProFootballHallOfFame.com, Paul Tagliabue's profile. MLB, NBCSports.com. Baseball strike in 1994-95 began 25 years ago by Craig Calcaterra. I wonder if he's related to Grant Calcaterra, the tight end for the Oklahoma Sooners that had to step away from playing football for good. SportsMediaWatch.com. Super Bowl ratings history from 1967 to present. Bleacher Report. How the NFL became America's sport by Michael Shoddy, July 3rd of 2013. Thanks for listening to the Behind the Mic podcast again. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr. Again, you can catch this show, which is presented by Bel Air Sports, the Bel Air Sports Sports Podcast Network, belairsports.com. Catch this show, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. I need to stop talking so fast. I've been tripping over my words all shows long. You better listen to my show, though. You better ignore all of that. I come to your house if you do not listen to my show. Eventually, going to be able to watch it on YouTube. But tell your friends, tell your husbands, your wives, your cousins, your 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 babies' mamas, and your your babies' daddies. Listen to my show, or what? I'll find your house out. <laughs>